So I do think we will see like really good coffees become probably much better as well, but um, mm -hmm. also harder to get because there are more markets that are growing up, so to say. Like uh, we talked about uh, new coffee market in the Middle East and Asia. And when those markets mature, there will be, uh, you know, people who really want the best coffees mm -hmm. also there, not just uh, in Europe and the US. And Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapa Ford Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of our first series for 2024. And we're talking about the evolving specialty coffee market. Now, Tim, I am focusing on something very particular this year. Um I think, and we've been saying this for a couple of years on the podcast, I think that there has been a lot of, um, what's the best way to say this? There's been a lot of reckless practice that has happened in our industry as it's been evolving over, let's say, the last decade. And money has been cheap. Um, if we look at the way that coffee has been evolving, marketing has played a really big role in how specialty coffee is being pitched to a lot of people. The producer, if you look at the yeah. amount of money they're getting paid, it hasn't really changed much in the last 30 years. And we haven't, as much as we no. say we're trying to put the producer in front of the customer, there's really been no net difference from what I can see anyway yeah. over the past 20 years that I've been in this industry. What... What role does all of this play in where we go from here as we evolve in this industry, in where we're going to come from? What do you think comes next? I think uh, I think we will see a more polarization of uh, the coffee world. Uh, oh, what do you in mean terms by that? Of, uh, uh, no, I, I mean by that is that um, I think the good coffees will be harder to get and more expensive. Really? Because they do cost more to produce. Yeah. For instance, if you want to handpick coffee, um, like in Central America now, there are no people to pick. Yep. So how are you going to attract people? You have to pay more. Uh, so the coffee will become more expensive. Uh, there's less land because of global warming. There's less land that is, you know, ideal for producing the highest qualities at the moment, at least with the varieties that we have at the moment. Um, so I do think we will see like really good coffees become probably much better as well, but um, mm -hmm. also harder to get because there are more markets that are growing up, so to say. Like uh, we talked about. Uh, new coffee market in the Middle East and Asia. And when those markets mature, there will be, uh, you know, people who really want the best coffees mm -hmm. also there, not just uh, in Europe and the US. And Friends, World of Coffee Dubai is back in 2024. And I am proud to announce that the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward will be the official podcast partner for World of Coffee Dubai for the second year in a row. The Roasters Village will be a one of a kind destination for all things coffee. As an exhibitor, introduce your artisanal roasts to an international audience and gain valuable insights from their perspective. Visitors, immerse yourself in the celebratory coffee culture experience by sampling exclusive cups, 
poured with passion from cafes worldwide and absorb insights that will elevate your own appreciation of all things coffee. Whether you brew coffee or just love savoring a fine cup, this event gathers the global coffee community under one roof in an amazing city. Join us at World of Coffee Dubai in 2024 at Dubai World Trade Center from the 21st until the 23rd of January. Tickets are available at dubai.worldofcoffee.org or you can contact us on social media for any questions that you might have at mapforward.coffee. Get your tickets now, folks. Come see the podcast being recorded live and we hope to see you in January in Dubai for World of coffee um so i think they will be hard to get and uh, it's going to be really difficult to produce uh the middle uh coffees like uh between the good and the bad <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, uh it's also going to be expensive uh maybe too expensive to cater for the market and um i i do th- think that a lot of coffees will be or coffee areas will maybe move into different origins or different areas in origins where it's easier to produce higher volumes mechanically, you know, uh, like Brazil is doing. And they can produce good quality. So I'm not saying that, but uh, if you want to find like flatter areas, normally you don't find them on top of the mountains. You find them find them <laughs> on Funny lower that. altitudes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and um, yeah. I, I I think there will be so to 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 clar- clarify a little bit. I think there will be still be good coffee, and but it will be rarer because there are less producers who want to produce it, uh, and it's hard to produce. And then there will probably be some kind of uh, consolidation of producers in the market there as well, where you have more like in Brazil, where you have big producers who have you know thousands of hectares producing cheap quality, mm. where they can actually make money on it even if the price is low. Um, and at the moment, we are lucky because you can, like I said in the previous episode, you can go to Colombia any day of the year and cup through hundreds of coffees and you can always find a good coffee. Um, but those coffees are produced by smallholder farmers with two hectares in the mountains mm. where uh, the price is too low for covering the costs. It's also hard to get labor. And we do see other crops competing, for instance, in Cauca now. A lot of people are starting to plant marijuana. It used mm-hmm. to be coca, but now it's marijuana. Um, so, uh, which is more profitable than uh, coffee. Where does, what? well, let me say it this way. Over the pandemic, we started to see producing countries establish local economies for dr- coffee drinking. What That's do a you good think? thing. <laughs> That's a fantastic thing. What role do you think that's going to play in the evolution of specialty coffee? Do you think that people, given what you've just said, where this gap in the middle is going to be kind of uh, unprofitable, right? This gap in the middle. So do you think that we're going to- sorry, I lost you. No problem. Let's let's do that one again. No. That's a fantastic thing is the last thing you said. (laughs) Yeah. And- and yes, that's a fantastic thing that, uh, you know, pe- there there is this trend that's happening in origin countries. But given that this is going on and given that we're going to start to see a lot of cafes and a lot of groceries shut down, how does this create a shift in the evolution of the industry? 
Well, one of the good things that I see, my friend Diego has uh, Diego Campos. He's a barista champion. He mm-hmm. actually opened a coffee shop in Garzón, which is a very small city in Huila. It's the first time they have a good coffee shop like that there. Wow. <clears throat> and it's a town of coffee growers. So um, it's extremely popular. Uh, and it really uh, awakes uh, <clears throat> the interest uh, within the coffee producers. And the good thing is that he is actually able to buy coffee from his surrounding mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, locals. Uh, I mean, it's a small market, but at least it creates awareness and uh, willingness to drink coffee. And if that happens more, you know, you see in Bogota as well, there's a lot of good coffee shops. So if they create an internal market, that's uh, great for the producers because it means they can actually find a, a second uh, uh, <clears throat> source of income that is not just based on the export and the market price, you know, on coffee. So I do see that uh, they they pay different types of prices when they buy coffee locally like that um, because they're not depending on the New York Stock Exchange and stuff. Uh, so I, I, I believe that's a good thing. And I also just recently heard that <clears throat> Thailand, I'm not sure if this is true, but uh, there was a guy in, who runs restaurants in Thailand who told me that they now have a customs uh, toll on coffee, yeah, like true. a really high one. To in in order to protect the producers in Thailand. And that has just increased the price for the coffee for the producers in Thailand because mm-hmm. they consume a lot of their own coffee, which is good. You know, It's great. In India, the, the import tax is 100% mm. on coffee. So that's wow. how they protect their own market. Yeah. Mexico, it's 30%, I believe. So, and, mm. and what you're starting to see in, like there's a, I was just in India for World Coffee Conference and- you had um, Matt Chith- Chitharendran. Sorry, Matt. I'm so sorry. But Matt started Blue Takai 11 years ago. He's now at 85 stores. They're the, the main specialty oh. coffee shop uh, hey. in hey. India. And what you're starting to see is a big uptake of brand new specialty coffee shops starting at the very front end of the innovation S-curve with specialty coffee, hey. starting to create a local market so producers are meeting that need with shifting from commodity coffee and starting to produce specialty coffee just so that they can sell it locally and i think this is a really exciting evolution in our industry that producing countries are starting to drink more specialty coffee yeah it's uh i hope that trend will uh will grow because it creates more demand for coffee uh which means Higher value for the farmers. One of the, one of the things that can be kind of uh, uh, challenging here is like, for instance, in Ethiopia, they already consume a lot of their coffees that they mm-hmm. that they produce, <laughs> and uh, Ethiopia is more or less like a closed economy, so they they need dollars in order to import, you know, shoes, clothes, uh, yeah, electric equipment, stuff like that. And one of their main exports is coffee. So if they drink up all the things that they can export, they don't have any money to pay for, you know, dishwashers and right. things that they need. So um, that's that can also be a challenge. But uh, I'm not uh, an educated uh, economist, so I don't know how this <laughs> mechanics works. But uh, uh, it's just like uh, funny to note, like Ethiopia last year. Uh, the cherry prices to producers was really high because people were desperate to to get coffee to export so they could get dollars to buy other things. Right. A geopolitics seems to be playing a lot 
with regards to the coffee supply chain in countries like Ethiopia, countries like the Middle East right now, Saudi's growing coffee, and a lot of the ports that yeah. are based here. We've got the DMCC here. There's a lot of very interesting things. As I mean, I had conversations with people about the role of getting coffee into Russia. It's a very yeah. interesting dynamic right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting I, to see I just have goes. one thing that is... Um, I find them very interesting. Like you see, and I, this is kind of a critique to maybe bigger coffee companies. They okay. they market you know with coffee as being sustainable and blah blah blah. And we know that the coffee prices are lower than production costs. Mm -hmm. We know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. And so the big big buyers are clearly not paying enough. And then you you can like we had a campaign here in Norway just a few months ago where. You were supposed to sell some coffee and the profits would go to microfinancing in Guatemala and uh, so that the farmers in Guatemala could apply to get a $300 loan to invest in their farm. And I'm like, $300, like that's nothing, you know. <laughs> it's, it's almost just insulting. Ridiculous. Yeah, like why don't you just pay a little bit more for the coffee? Yeah. Just pay a little bit more. You can do it. Nobody in Norway is going to stop drinking coffee if it costs 20 cents more. But it means a lot for the farmer. You know, it's make or break. Yeah. Um, so my my question has always been like, why don't you just pay a little bit more? Because if your business is uh, relying on whether you pay 10 cents less or more for this coffee, then you're not uh, running a profitable business or a healthy business. Um, but so the majority of people I are think, not, you know, no, and that's maybe you should just that's do something the problem. else. But yeah. I mean, Nestle and all these big companies, they are clearly making good profits. And if they paid 10 cents more for the coffee, they could easily add, you know, 20 cents more yep. <laughs> when they sell the coffee. So, uh, and nobody would care. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's strange that you, you want to hurt your supply chain that much. And kind of keep it uh, kind of suppressed all the time, because when your main business is relying on getting raw material from those producers, I just find it very strange that your most companies are treating them like that. It's not this, very sustainable. This is where we get into the difference between companies that are participating in the supply chain who are beholden to shareholders, and so they're constantly looking make more money every year they're chasing that that is their driving force we've got to make bigger profits we've got to um, answer to shareholders otherwise you know if the board isn't happy with what we're doing the ceo gets fired and so they're chasing profit profit yeah. profit 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 and they wax poetic about sustainability and you know um, <laughs> supply chain practices etc cetera, etc cetera. but we're the ones in small business that really are doing the heavy lifting when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. But we don't have yeah. enough buying power to have mass impact. This is where it gets stuck, right? No, you, you, you can say that. Uh, that's a argument I very often get that my company is so small that it's not going to change anything. But uh, at least we can inspire. You know? Yeah. And um, uh, I do believe we can change something. You know, uh, our part of the industry has made Starbucks 
sell something called blonde roast. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> they would have never done that without something happening in the small niche yeah. part of this market. So you you are actually able to to inspire and maybe change some things in the long run if you if you dare to do the right thing. I think and talk about it and don't be afraid of asking these questions and talk about them publicly because yeah. uh, they need to be talked about. Yeah. Awesome. We have one episode to go, folks. Join us in the next episode where we're going to talk about trends. One of my favorite things to talk about on this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's my favorite thing to talk about on this podcast because I'm not a fan of trends. So join us for the last episode of this series, folks. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.